listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. Well, we are a few weeks into this, and in many ways, this is a really unusual Lent period. But I don't know about you that many of the Lenten readings, as I have each morning woken up and you see that the newsfeed isn't changing, that it just becomes an intensification, that moment where you could look at the newsfeed and there would be a new story which would take our attention away from the last thing that was happening. That's not happening anymore. But in the midst of this time when the news seems to just repeat or be depressing, when we open the Word of God, we see the Word of the Lord. And the Lenten readings are carrying a particular poignancy, not because the Word of God has changed, but perhaps because we're more open. We're out of control. We're not in charge of our lives in the ways that we were only a few months ago. And I want to turn to one reading that we read as Red Church this week out of our Lenten book of scriptural readings, Um, and it comes to us from John's Gospel. And it tells the story in chapter 9 of Jesus' encounter with a man who was blind. But I just want to actually just preach on the first part of John chapter 9, verses 1 to 4. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, what's interesting here is something terrible has happened to this man. This man's had his own individual crisis where something in nature seems to have worked against him. An injustice that he was born in this different way, which has made him marginalized and suffer in life, particularly at a time like this, with no health care, with no disability programs. And Jesus reframes this. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned going beyond the causation argument or the blame game. Jesus continues saying, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And the passage that stood out to me, or the line that stood out to me as I read this, as so many people wrestle with the questions of why has this happened, is this line. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Commenting on this passage, Ruth Haley Barton, in her blog, reflecting on this moment we're going through, says this, What are the works of God? waiting to be revealed in me and in each of us through this COVID-19 global crisis that affects each of us so intimately and personally. Even as we navigate the most significant spiritual, most significant crisis most have ever seen, we must not forget to ask this all-important questions. What is happening right now, spiritually speaking, and how can we join God in it? 
And all week as I have been reflecting on this sermon, even in the weeks since this crisis broke, I've been trying to listen to God and asking Him, how do we understand this moment? How do we get our heads around it, this ever-expanding crisis that has overtaken us as individuals, isolated us, is harming and maiming people, tearing apart the very building bricks of society? How do I understand this from a spiritual perspective? If you go on Twitter, if you look at the news, there is no short amount of hot takes coming at the moment as people understand this from every possible angle. But how does God see this moment and therefore how are we to understand this moment? And as I again brought this passage before me in the early morning hours, another line stood out to me when I asked the question, How do we understand this moment? And it was this line which Jesus says in this passage, which again stood out to me. Night is coming when no one can work. And as I read that, for me there was this deep resonance. I went for a walk the night of the, I'd read that in the morning and that night went for a walk around my neighborhood and it was amazingly quiet. Not one car passed me. I didn't see a single person. And it felt like at that moment, this night had descended. All of the things that we usually do in the day, seemingly having this strange night descend upon them. And I began to feel that what God was saying is, it's like this strange night has descended upon us. Yesterday, I saw online the incredible cinematic imagery of Pope Francis delivering prayer and a sermon in St. Peter's Square in Vatican City in Rome. It, it looked like a movie. Pouring rain, this One singular man praying and preaching in this normally filled square but was empty. And the haunting sound of the church bells ringing, but at the same time, the sirens as ambulances and paramedics went around Rome, bringing those affected to hospitals. It was a truly eerie and almost apocalyptic amount of images. And in his sermon He preached at that event yesterday. My interest was piqued because look how Pope Francis describes this moment. For weeks now, it has been evening. Thick darkness has gathered over our squares, our streets and our cities. It has taken over our lives, filling everything with a deafening silence and a distressing void that stops everything as it passes by. We feel it in the air. We notice it in people's gestures. Their glances give them away. We find ourselves afraid and lost. The parable or the metaphor of night is entirely appropriate. Here in Australia at the moment in Melbourne, it's also jarring because we are experiencing beautiful autumnal weather. Bright sun today, I'm wearing shirt sleeves. It's actually beautiful outside, yet the still sense that even in the daylight, a kind of spiritual night has befallen us, can't be escaped. And even when it's sunny outside, even as people go for walks with their family and walk dogs, that sense of night, even though we're not 
in the particular night, if we're feeling it in the day, it still comes upon our fear over our health, our fear over our jobs, our fear over the future of the world. But what I wanted to say was that we have to understand the spiritual work of night. Most of us think about time. We plan. We have a sense of control over our lives by looking to things in the future and almost using them as markers to move towards. If we're going through a job that we don't like, a difficult period, we think of something that we want to do in the future. And it's like a beacon guiding us towards that moment. We spend our lives heading towards those beacons of things that we have hope in. But what has happened, this night has descended and it colors everything. This pandemic night that we're in is not a normal night. We know that a normal night has a set amount of hours, but this kind of pandemic COVID-19 night that we're experiencing actually warps time. We don't know if in three months this thing will be lifted. We don't know if it's six months. You hear varying estimates from experts. Anyway, from this will be over in six weeks to this will be still going in 16 months. The news cycle, which I mentioned before, that we look at and it changes, has become almost a new kind of clock. Each week we have a different news cycle, something that grabs our attention. But now the news cycle is just focused upon one thing. People look forward to new seasons of TV shows, movies coming out, sporting seasons. All of these are thrown out. The daily arrangement of our lives, the ordering of time by our work, life, home divisions, all are blurred at the moment. As people juggle Zoom meetings with clients, with looking after children, or perhaps people just alone find that without contact with any others, life and time just blurs into this strange, new, warped moment. But the other thing that God has been saying to me as I've awoken here in Melbourne in the autumn, is that every morning, for days on end, there has been incredible, incredible sunrises. This is the photo I took from my backyard this morning of the sun emerging from the darkness of the night. And no matter how difficult this moment is, we do know that night lifts. And I want to say to you, there is this event horizon, there is this point when actually dawn will break. This will end. This will come to pass. There is a dawn coming, but we don't know when. And so our ability to control and look forward and plot and plan has been paused. And instead we find ourselves not in control, but actually at the mercy of this thing and faced with an opportunity to allow this moment to do its works in us so that the glory of God can be shown, that that moment that Jesus saw in that blind man, that God hadn't caused this, but he was going to use it so that his works of righteousness could be seen. That is the question before us at the moment. We don't have control over things. What we do have control over is will we say yes to allowing our lives 
to be that canvas upon which God can paint his works of righteousness in this moment. And as much as we want dawn to break, as much as I don't believe God has sent this, I believe this is actually a work of the enemy that seeks to destroy anything which is beautiful and good from the protection of our societies to our individual health. Yet, we also need to remember that actually before this came upon us, not everything was hunky-dory, not everything was right. I saw this tweet this morning of a graffiti that went up in Hong Kong. Now, this may be speaking to some of the political situation in Hong Kong, but I believe it actually speaks to something bigger And here's the image, written in Chinese, but it says this, we can't return to normal because the normal that we had was precisely the problem. And there was a problem that we experienced as we attempted to live lives where we were in control of everything. We attempted to live a kind of life where we were the masters of our own destiny. We've lived in a world where greed had become normative, self-focus was acceptable. We lived in a world, I saw an ad a few months ago, and it was an ad, I think, for a a credit card, and at the beginning of the ad, this guy sort of filming his attractive girlfriend wakes her up in the morning in their luxuriant apartment and has a date, and what he does on the date is he actually takes her to the airport, and they jump on a plane from Sydney, and they fly to Hong Kong for dinner. And there they are, you know, in Kowloon Bay, you know, drinking champagne. And I looked at this and I thought, hang on, if this is our vision of a flourishing life, this is a kind of life that is not only out of touch of so many people, but utterly unsustainable. And that mentality had dribbled into the church. And we as a church were engaged in a moment, a post-Christian kind of seeping into our view of how we view church, where we believe that we could fit church and faith around the things that we want to control, where actually faith becomes a chaplain to what we want to do, and there's a thin Christian veneer over the pursuit of our individual happiness. At this moment, we can't return to normal because the normal that we had was precisely the problem. And I believe that when this moment comes and we emerge from this night, when dawn finally breaks, the world may be different. We don't know how. Maybe international travel will change. Maybe healthcare will actually become better. Maybe there'll be new political movements. I don't know. I also wonder whether things could just race back to normal like this never happened within three months. So those who avoid the work in this moment can probably switch on to what life was like before when dawn finally breaks. But our question is, in this moment, here, will we let God in us, in us as individuals, in us as the church, allow his works of righteousness be done and shown and seen? And this means that we need to reframe this moment. It is a moment of fear. 
It is a moment of loss of control. It's a moment where people are losing jobs and even losing lives. But in the midst of a night, we need to reframe what night is and realize that actually night has a purpose. There's a renewing work in the night. This is from a naturist, I think that's the right word, uh, Anita Sanchez. And she's talking about what actually happens in nature at night. She says, so when you step into a garden or forest at night, you're stepping into a wakeful world, churning with purpose and activity. All around you, plants are sucking in air, burning fuel, growing, feasting in the darkness. Listen, can you hear them breathe? There is actually a work that occurs at night in nature. The night is a time of lack of activity. We even have activity in the garden behind us with a whippersnipper. This is the new reality. It doesn't matter. There's actually work that happens in the night where God is at work in the night. We just need eyes and ears to hear and see. The Russian Christian thinker Nikolai Berdeyev wondered and postured in a book he wrote called The End of Our Time that actually after the modern age, which is built all upon actually pushing back the night of the electric light of 24-hour cities, of changing time zones and flying from continent to continent, that actually he wondered that after the modern age, there will actually come this time of night. And he said this of that period, night is not less wonderful than day. It is equally the work of God. It is lit by the splendor of the stars and it reveals to us things that the day does not know. Night is closer than day to the mystery of all beginning. So how do we live well in this time? What are the things that God wants to do during the work of the night? in us, in you, in the people of God. Well, when we look at the Scriptures, the theme of night, the theme of light and dark, is filled throughout the Scriptures. And in the Scriptures, night actually has a purpose. We think of the psalmist who, many of those psalms, actually the language of the night, the sleepless night where the psalmist wrestles with God, with all distractions down and gone. Night is a time of focusing concentrating without distractions. It's a time of inner spiritual work and prayer. And at this moment where we find ourselves focusing upon our inner world of fear, of trepidation, of isolation, there is an invitation to actually take those things to God, to step into what God is doing. Night is a time of focusing, concentrating without distractions, a time of inner spiritual work and prayer. Night is also a time of fleeing Egypt. The people of God escape from Egypt. They leave the land in which they were imprisoned, working for Pharaoh, and they escape and actually led, begin the journey towards the promised land. Night can be this time. I might get you to uh, change these slides there, Daniel. Uh, Night is the time of fleeing Egypt, using the cover of darkness to escape from what enslaves, binds, and addicts us. 
This is a moment where many of you are finding the things that sometimes you self-medicate on, sometimes use a distraction. We're all finding these things, whether it's sport, whether it's even other people. We're at this moment of focusing where we can actually see what binds us. And this is a moment where I believe God is saying, I want to let my people go. Where actually we can escape from things as things are cut back. There's this incredible moment to escape from where we have been bound. Let's go to the next one. Night is also an amazing time. If we look at the scriptures, Jacob's wrestling with the angel, Jacob's uh, ladder where he sees this thin place between heaven and earth. Night is the time of spiritual visions and visitations when the space between heaven and earth is thinner. In this moment, as our options reduce, as fear waits at the door, this is the moment. I have had so many people sending me words and visions, people at Red, people from all over the place, people who normally don't get words and vision. I believe the Holy Spirit is at work at the moment, giving people dreams and words of knowledge and visions. There's actually a Holy Spirit empowering people as we stop and turn to Him. Let's not miss this moment. I'm going to go to the next one there, Daniel. Night, when you look in the Scriptures... As the people of God battle the forces of evil to take back the promised land, we actually see there's a strategic advantage to night. Night is the time for the deployment of troops and of taking strategic preparation for the victory that will come at dawn. I believe there's two works that God wants to do in this time. There is a profound inner work that he's doing in so many people, but it's not just going to be an inner work. He's doing the inner work. He's wanting us to have private victories because what God wants to do at this moment when the so-called defeat of the church has been heralded is that God wants to use this night to prepare the troops. The great sage of war, Sun Tzu, said that you want to actually deceive the enemy. The essence of war is deceiving the enemy. And what great generals have done throughout history is assemble their troops into winning strategic uh, arrangements so that they can take the battle at the break of dawn. And in the ancient world, without the cover of flares or infrared vision that modern armies had, it was actually nighttime when you got prepared and you placed yourself ready for battle. And I believe there's this inner renewing work that God wants to do at this moment as he's arranging his troops for the battle of renewal that comes when the church finally is actually unleashed. And so we need private victories now. We need to prepare. We need to be freed from addictions. We need to get closer to God. We need to find his presence so that we actually come back stronger. And the one thing I want to say to you, I want to give you a slogan for when dawn breaks. The slogan I want to give you, whether you're part of Red or just dropping in, is that when this is over, let the work of God be done in the night so that when dawn breaks, we as individuals, we as the people of God, will come back stronger, ready to take victory and step into the battle empowered with the power of God. Let's stand. Let's pray.
God, we know that a night has befallen the world. We know that darkness is all around us. Even on the sunniest of days, we sense the ominous darkness. Our sense of time is warped. We don't know how long this is going to go for. Our sense of what is secure, even from just seeing our friends to our jobs to even our health, as many self-isolate. As some have the virus and fight that in our systems. Father, at this moment of darkness, at this moment of night, in the night we want to be your light. And we know that the moon is bright at night only because it reflects the light of the sun. Father, we know this time we can't generate our own light. In this night, it's simply too dark. Let us reflect your light at this time as we get close to you. Father, I pray at this time for a a releasing from addictions, a releasing from crutches and idols and support systems which are not based in you. Father, in this time of isolation, in this time of busyness, even for many as they try and do so many things in a household, Father, may there also be a focusing, a thin place. May the visitations and visions increase. And God, I pray for a strategic deployment. For when the dawn breaks, and we know it will, God, as the church, as individuals, help us to come back stronger, to be released with your power and your presence and your purpose. Father, we know before this time that the normal, we don't want to go back to the normal that was before of disinterest and half-baked faith. Father, we don't want to go back to the time that was before of a church that many times felt like it was on its knees. We don't want to go back to the time before where Christianity was just an option and we were less and less present. You took the presence we have with our church in physical form away from us. But may we get your presence back at this moment. May we have you as the central organizing principle for the whole of our lives. Father, when the dawn comes, help us come back stronger. Physically, socially, personally, spiritually, as the church, we pray this. So now as people in homes watching this now in real time or in hours to come here in Australia, in Asia, even we've got people tuning in, we know from the west coast of the US. Father, at this time, we ask your Holy Spirit to come where people are. We want this night to go, but we also don't want to miss the work that you want to do in the night. So like the ancient Israelites, we follow that fiery cloud in the night towards the promised land. So Holy Spirit, come now as the worship begins. Fall with presence with these people. Father, if there's prayers, if there's visions that people need to share with other people in the room, whether people need to get onto FaceTime and share them with someone else, whether they need to just text them or send them a message, Father, let your Holy Spirit empower your people right now. May your kingdom come. We pray. Amen.
We're just going to move now into a time of worship, a time of ministry. Remember too, we've commissioned you at this strange moment in history. You're reminded that you're the living priesthood. You're empowered. So let's step into that space and let the Holy Spirit do.